Most believers, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know what faith is. Most of us probably understand the biblical definition of faith. And of course, Hebrews 1 tells us that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you've been to church any amount of time and someone asks you what faith is, most of us could probably explain what faith is, biblically give a definition of it. But one of the things that we, we don't understand sometimes is that your faith isn't Static. It isn't stagnant. It doesn't stay in one, one place throughout your life. Your faith is meant to change. Your faith is meant to grow. Your faith is meant to mature as you grow in your relationship with God. See, the Bible tells us that every single person who's ever lived has been given a measure of faith. Now, we don't know what, how much that is. We don't know what the measure of faith is, but we know that God has placed inside of every single human enough faith to trust him as, his, as their Savior and become a child of God. But once we receive him as our Savior and once we exercise that first little measure of faith, we're not supposed to stay there. We're not supposed to keep that little bit of faith the rest of our life. Our faith is meant to grow. Faith is, a, is like a muscle. We have to work it and exercise it so it becomes larger and stronger and helps with our relationship with God. That, that is why God leads us through difficult times in our lives. Faith doesn't grow in easy times. Faith doesn't grow when everything's going well and everybody's healthy and there's money in the bank and there's no problems and your life is just incredible and awesome and couldn't be any better. Your faith doesn't grow then. Your faith grows in difficulty. Your faith grows through trials. Your faith grows in dark times. And so that's why God leads us through those difficulties. That's why God allows those hard times to grow our faith in him. So in the passage we're going to look at this morning, we are still looking at the faith life of Abraham. And if you remember, Abraham has already exercised an incredible amount of faith in my opinion. God came to him when he was 75 years old, said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you children that are going to outnumber the stars of the sky and the sands of the, 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 sands of the sea. I'm going, to just, I'm going to bless the whole world through you, Abraham. Just leave everything you know, leave everyone you know, and just follow me. Not knowing where he was going, not knowing how God was going to keep his word or when God was going to keep his word, Abraham trusted God. He left his family, he left his home, he left everything to follow God. So by faith, he has journeyed with God. By faith, he has lived. He has followed God based on a simple promise. And that promise was he'd receive a land and he'd receive children. In my opinion, Abraham has exercised incredible faith. But God looks at it and says, that's just a little bit of faith. We, we still need to grow it. We still need to increase his faith. And so God has some greater tests in store for Abraham to grow his faith. And so the passage we're going to look at this morning deals with not only Abraham's faith, but how God is preparing him to mature his faith, to grow his faith, to get him ready for the next stage of his life. So look in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse number 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. 
And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that, thy, that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided, divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away, or Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, in a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying unto, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kiazites and the Kadamites and the Hittites... And There we go. <clears throat> Where was I? The Kenites. Ben, give me a new battery. The Kenites and the Kezites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Raphians and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gigasites and the Jebusites. That's a lot of sites right there. But what we see here is God reestablishing his covenant that he made with Abraham when Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees almost 15 years before. And so here we see Abraham growing or moving toward maturity with God. He is growing in his spiritual walk and he is growing in his faith with God. God is doing something in the life of Abraham. God wants to grow Abraham's faith. And God wants our faith to grow as well. God wants us to get to the place where we trust him more and we believe his promises and trust him at his word and our faith in him is, is greater than anything else we've experienced in our lives. So he wants to grow our faith. He wants to mature us spiritually. So this morning, I want to share just a few thoughts we, we see here about how God continues to, to grow Abraham's faith. I think I turned it off. There we go. How God grows Abraham's faith and how God wants to grow our faith as well. So the first thing we see in these passages is we see the concern or the question of his faith. Look at verse number 7 again. And he said unto him, this is God speaking here, I, the Lord, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So God is coming to Abraham again and saying, hey, I'm the God, I'm the Lord who, who brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give you this land that you're standing in. To give this land not just to you, but to your children that are going to come generations later. But then look at Abraham in verse number 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So God says, hey, I brought you here to give you this land. And Abraham says, when's that going to happen, God? It's been a while. I've been here a while, God, and there's, there's still enemies in the land. It's still not mine. 
God, when, when are you going to do this? When are you going to fulfill this promise? So Abraham, remember he, where we are in Scripture, he is talking to God after his incredible victory over the kings that had invaded Canaan and invaded Sodom and captured Lot. He had gone and conquered these kings and brought back to the inhabitants of Sodom and brought back Lot. And God is reminding Abraham of the promises that he gave him 15 years before when he left home. He's already asked God, we saw this last time, he already asked God about the promise of a child. He already said, God, you say I'm going to have a child, but I don't have any. When's this going to come true? And God confirmed his promise with that. Now he asked God about the land that he was promised. Abraham had concern that his faith was in the wrong place. His faith was a little doubting. You ever, you ever doubted God before? Look, if you say no, you're lying. We all have. Everyone, every child of God has one time or another said, God, I don't understand what's going on here. Lord, I, I'm not, I, I just don't, I don't know what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. I don't even know if you know what you're doing, God. He is questioning if his faith is in the right place. So look how God answers him. Now, if I were God, I would have answered him by, you know, zapping him. Oh, you don't believe me? I'll start with somebody else. Look what God does. First of all, we'll look at God's reminder. God reminds Abraham who he is, and what he is doing. He, first of all, he reminds Abraham of his person. Again, he says, I am the Lord. Now look in your Bible there. <clears throat> he says, and he said unto him, I am the Lord. Now, your Bible should have the word Lord, all caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is the Lord. Now, when you're reading the scriptures, and you come to the word Lord, and it is all caps, it's a name. It's the name Jehovah. Abraham has just been told by God, I am Jehovah. Now, the word Jehovah means literally the self-existing one. He is telling Abraham, you're talking to the one who exists on his own. You're talking to the one who has always been here, will always be here. I don't need you. You need me. I created it all. You are talking to the Lord God Jehovah. He is telling him who his faith is in. We, we tend to forget just who is in control of the events of our life. We like to think we have control. We don't. When me and April go somewhere, even if it's like to the store, I like to drive because I want to be in control and she's bad at it. If we're going down 581 or 81 and she comes upon a, a tractor trailer, I hate them tractor trailers, man, don't y'all? Come on a tractor trailer that's going, you know, 40 miles an hour, she won't pass it. She'll stay behind it. And I'm like, go, get around and go somewhere. So, I like to be in control. But you know what? When I'm in the car and I'm driving, I'm in control and I've got it going, you know, 79, because you can't go 80 because it's reckless driving if you go 80. So you're going 79 down 81. And I think, man, I got this thing. I'm in control. No, I'm not. I'm not in control of anything. God is in control of all the events of our lives. We need to remember that we serve 
Jehovah God. We serve the one who was here before anything. We serve the one who will be here after everything. And we serve the one who controls everything in between. He is a powerful God. He is a present God. He is a perceptive God. And he is in control of every aspect of our life. And if we could wrap our minds around that truth, it would revolutionize our faith. Because we understand, God, the good things that happen to me, they're because of you, because you are allowed them. Lord, the bad things that ha- come my way, the, the cancer, the difficulties, the trials, they come because you love me and you're trying to do something in my life. God is in control. So he reminds Abraham of his person. Secondly, he reminds Abraham of his power. God reminds Abraham, look again, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land. He reminds Abraham, he goes, Abraham, you are where you are because of me. I brought you here. You are standing in the land that I'm going to give you because I brought you here. You didn't bring yourself here, Abraham. You didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get yourself here. You didn't defeat that army. I did. Abraham, you are where you are because of me. Abraham did nothing to get to where he was. God did it all. And that's true in our life as well. Look, we all have areas of our life we're proud of. Maybe you're you're proud of your physical prowess. Not me so much. Maybe you're proud of your, your, your financial responsibility or you're proud of, of whatever it is. You've got, we've all got this one area in our life that we're like, man, I'm, I'm good at this. I'm pr-. That's not because of you. It's because of God. God has done everything in your life that you have. Everything we have, everything we are is a result of God's work in our lives. Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And look, if anyone had reason to brag, it was Paul. He was a a trained Pharisee. He knew the the Jewish law backwards and forwards. I mean, Paul, who after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended to heaven, Paul spoke to Jesus on the, the road to Damascus. God called him personally. If anyone's got room to brag, it's Paul. And Paul says, I am what I am, not because I'm a great guy, not because I worked real hard, not because I learned real good. I am what I am because of God's work in my life. He says, in this grace, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Every one of us, we are what we are, we have what we have because of God. Not because of you. You can't take pride in, man, I'm real good. No, you may be good at it, but it's not because of you, it's because of God. It's because of God's work in your life. Whatever area you're most proud of, it's not because of anything you've done. It is all because of God. He reminds Abraham of his person. He reminds Abraham of his power. And thirdly, he reminds Abraham of his plan. God reminds Abraham that he brought him out of the earth of the Chaldees. He brought him to the land of Canaan because he had a plan for his life. He had a purpose for doing what he is doing. God has a plan for your life. Now, unfortunately, God doesn't come to us like he did Abraham and say, hey, here's the plan. Here's the goal. Here's what's going to work. But he has a plan in our life, and he wants us to trust him and understand whatever God is doing in our life, he is doing it because he has a plan. 
He has a purpose. He has a goal in mind. God doesn't just flippantly do anything or let anything happen. He's not, he's not up in heaven going, oh, man, I forgot about that. Now I've got to change everything I was going to do for all of eternity because I forgot that so-and-so is going to lose their job. No, God has a plan for everything. He brought him out so he could give him a new land. God's purpose was to take this childless pilgrim and transform him into a father of a great nation. And God has a wonderful plan for your life. But here's the thing. We can hinder God's plan and bring pain into our lives by not trusting what he's doing. Abraham sees this next chapter. Chapter 16, Sarah comes to Abraham and says, Hey, I know God promised you a kid, but we're both getting pretty old. Why don't you just go have a, you know, go have a relationship with my, with my handmaid? You can have a kid by her. And Abraham, because he had his faith grow weak, said, That's a great idea. Brought pain and suffering in his life. And we're still dealing with the repercussions of Abraham's lack of faith. We can hinder God's plan and bring pain into our lives by not trusting him. God's plan for you is always the best plan and always the right plan. We simply need to trust him and follow him that he's got the best in mind. So we see God's reminder. Then look at Abraham's response. Look at verse number 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit this? Now, at the first glance, it looks like God is, like Abraham is questioning God, and he's asking out of doubt. But he's, he's not asking out of doubt. He's asking out of curiosity. He's saying, God, I know you said that, but can you tell me how you're going to do it? Can you tell me how you're going to make this plan come true? You ever ask God to give you specifics about what he's going to do? Now, sometimes he answers, but not often. Sometimes he comes and says, oh, well, let me, let me tell you what my plans are. Most of the time he just says, you wouldn't understand it anyway. You can't grasp what I'm doing anyway, so just be quiet and trust me. Just have faith in me. So Abraham, he believes that God will keep his word. He just wants to know how he is doing it. He is asking God for more information. And God never minds us coming to him and saying, God, could you give me more information? God minds it when we doubt what he's doing. We come to him and say, God, I don't believe you're going to do it. Or I don't believe you're able to do it. Faith is believing that God will and trusting that he will do what he said in his way and in his time. If we get more information, great. But if we don't, we still are to trust him and walk with him by faith. If God and his sovereignty chooses to keep us in the dark, we're still to trust him and have faith in him. When you hear from God, do you trust him? When God speaks to your heart and says, I'm going to do something great in your life, or I'm going to lead you here, I've got, I want you to go over here, I want you to do this or do that. When we hear from God, do we trust him, knowing he will keep his word in his way, or do we doubt what God's trying to do? Abraham responded to God in faith. So first of all, we see the concern of his faith. Secondly, look at the, look at the challenge of his faith. Look at verse number 9. And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against the other. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came upon the carcass, Abraham, or Abram, drove them away. So God responds to Abraham, Abraham's question by giving him an odd command. 
And the command he gave him was given to challenge his faith. Faith will always be tested. That's how faith grows. God will test our faith so our faith can mature and, and grow in him. So first of all, as a challenge of his faith, look at the challenge of his preparation. God commands Abraham to prepare a sacrifice, but not just any sacrifice, a specific sacrifice. And the sacrifice had significant meaning. He tells him, take three animals, a goat, a ram, and a cow, a heifer. Take all three of them and divide them in half. Now, he doesn't mean just cut them this way. He's saying cut them from down like this. Butterfly them is what he's telling them to do. Cut them completely in half and lay them side by side. You ever tried to do that to an animal? I do it to a turkey every year. It's a dead turkey. That's, it's, it's, it's just lying there lifeless and dead. And I cut it in half. And I, this year, uh, I completely butchered it, deep in the whole thing before we cooked it. And it was good. Amen. It worked out well. So if you want to do that, do that. But it's hard work. You got to saw through the bones. Got to cut through the spine. Got to cut out the ribs and take it. And it's a lot of work. And that's, that's a 20-pound dead turkey. Not a 1,000-pound cow. And that's what God is asking Abraham to do. Now, the reason for this is during this time, if two men made a covenant, they would do that to an animal. They would split the animal in half, put the pieces side by side, and it's weird, but they would join hands and walk between them. So two dudes holding hands, walking between a dead animal. Yes, it's creepy. But the purpose was they were saying to each other, if I break my contract, you can do this to me. If I don't keep my end of the bargain, you can cut me in half and kill me. They took their words seriously. No, they didn't do it to three. They did it to one, and usually a small animal because it's, it's easier. But so they cut an animal in half, walk between them, and say, hey, if I don't keep my word, you can do this with me. That's what God was doing with Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want to show you how much you can trust me. I want to show you how much my word means. So for Abraham, this was a costly, bloody Hard work to prepare for things that God wanted to do. Because again, he's cutting a thousand pound animal straight in half. Now, if we were to do that today, if God came to me and said, Sean, do this, I'd get a chainsaw. No problem. <laughs> Abraham didn't have a chainsaw. Abraham had a couple knives. You ever try to cut through rib bones of a cow with a knife? It's not very easy. This is hard work. This was labor intensive. It cost Abraham a lot to do this. But when God gives us a command on our life, it is always something difficult to do, and God gives it to us to grow our faith. Maturing our faith is uneasy. God's best is reserved for those who are willing to pay the price to draw close to him. For those who are willing to do the hard thing to grow their relationship with him. God doesn't ask us to cut our animals in half, but he does, what does he ask us to do? God asks us to be holy in a world that glorifies sin. Be holy, for I am holy. And the world we live in glorifies sin, and it's real hard to be holy in this world. God asks us to obey him even when it doesn't make sense or even when it's not easy. Whether it's being faithful to worship, faithful in our giving, or faithful in sharing the gospel, God asks us to obey him. 
The challenge of our faith is to obey God no matter what it is he asks. So then we see the challenge of protection. Look at verse 11. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So while Abraham waited on God, scavengers came to eat on the dead animals. They came to eat the sacrifice Abraham had prepared, and Abraham had to scare them off. Now look, when God begins to move in your life, you can count on the fact there will be vultures who come into your life to try to take away what God is doing, to try to steal what God is doing from your life. And vultures can take on a lot of forms. Vultures can come in the form of doubt, worry, fear. You can have friends who come into your life and try to steal what God is doing. You can have family that tries to come into your life and steal what God is doing. You can have obligations that keep you from doing what God is trying to do in your life. And all these things can, can steal away what God is doing. And if we allow them to, they'll take our time, our concentration, and our commitment to God's work. We need to protect what God wants to do in our lives and not allow anything to hinder us from walking with God and obeying Him by faith. It's a challenge of protection. Then we see, thirdly, the challenge of patience. Again, in verse 11, when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. You ever seen a dead animal on the side of the road? Like a fresh kill, like someone... It takes a while for the animals, for the, the vultures to get there. It's not like you hit a deer on the side of the road and two minutes later the vultures are there. It takes a while. Abraham prepared this sacrifice, cut these animals in half, laid them side by side, sat down, waited on God, got rid of the vultures, and God took a long time to show up. He is waiting on God. The sacrifice is prepared. He is guarding it, and God doesn't show up until darkness falls. It was a time that required Abraham to have patience. It was a time that required Abraham to be still and wait on God. We don't like waiting. Look, we live in such a, a, a we-want-it-now society that if you want to go to McDonald's, you don't even got to go to the drive-thru. You can order it on your phone, and it will bring it to you in your car in the parking lot. You can get it right away. You can have it your way right away. Anything you want, you can have it right now. Instant popcorn, instant everything. Growing your faith requires having patience and waiting on God. We want God to move on our timetable when it's convenient for us, but God doesn't do that. He works on his timetable. Our job is to simply be ready for God to work in our lives when he is ready to move. If God's working in your life, be patient and wait on him to move in his time, not in your time. The Bible says in Psalms 27, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It's not easy to wait, but it's always best to wait. It's not easy to wait, but it's always the best thing to do to wait on God to move, to wait on God to work, to wait on God to speak. Wait on the Lord to grow our faith. Thirdly, we see the confirmation of his faith. See the concern of his faith, the, question, the challenge of his faith, and the confirmation of his faith. Look at verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. 
And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance, and thou shalt go by thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come out hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Thy seed have I given this land from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So Abraham has some questions about his faith, and God challenges his faith, and then God confirms his faith. So how did God confirm his faith? First of all, he did it through the darkness. When God showed up, Abraham was plunged into darkness. When God grows your faith, he does it in dark times. He does it in difficult times. He doesn't grow your faith through the happy times of life. He does it through the dark times of life. God has always worked this way in the lives of his children. He matures our faith through darkness. The three Hebrew children, their faith was grown in the fiery furnace. Daniel, his faith matured in the lion's den. David, his faith matured as he faced a giant. Noah, his faith matured as he went through the flood. God always grows our faith through dark times. We have to go through the darkness to learn that God's in control. We have to go through the darkness to learn that God can control the situation. That is how he matures our faith. So don't run from the darkness. Don't fear the darkness. God is working in the darkness to grow your faith, to mature you spiritually. So we see the darkness, then we see the details. In verses 13 through 16, God gives Abraham some details about the future, and they're pretty scary. He says, Abraham, you're going to have these children, but your children are going to be slaves in another land for 400 years. That couldn't have been easy for Abraham to hear. He couldn't have been easy for him to hear, hey, God's going to keep his word. I'm going to have a bunch of kids but then they're going to be captured and enslaved for 400 years. God doesn't often tell us the details of what he's doing because we can't comprehend them. Because honestly, if God told us all the details of what he was going to do in our lives, we'd probably run away. We'd probably be too scared and say, God, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to endure that, God. But God gives him the details. God wants us to walk with him by faith, not by sight. So God gave Abraham the details. He probably won't give them to you. What are you supposed to do? Trust God. Even in the darkness, walk with God by faith. Take God at his word and trust the details to him. Then we see the documentation, verses 17 through 21. We see the ceremony fulfilled. The animals have been laid apart. And then the Bible says, look at verse 17. And it came to pass, when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land from the river Euphrates, even to the great river, I mean from the river in Egypt, even the great river, the river Euphrates. Now this, this ceremony, I've already explained it to you, is part of an ancient covenant ceremony. And God showed up in his glory to seal this covenant with Abraham. This is the first time God in his glorified state has been on earth since Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And God showed up because for the covenant to be made, both parties had to be present. But Abraham didn't walk through the, the, the carcasses. 
Abraham didn't go through there. God was telling Abraham, Abraham, you don't have to do anything for this promise to be fulfilled. All you have to do is trust me. And Abraham, if I don't keep my word, you can do to me what you did to these animals. He was saying, Abraham, you can trust me to keep my word no matter what. This covenant was one-sided. God was going to do everything. All Abraham had to do was trust God and wait on God. God's promises make our faith possible. His promises are given so we can trust him. We can grow in our, in our relationship with him as he confirms his promises to us. As we accept him at his word, our lives are, in our lives and we fulfill his will, we mature in our relationship with him and we grow in the image and likeness of God. So this morning, I simply ask you, how's your faith today? Maybe you're like Abraham and you're looking at your life and wondering, God, how's this going to happen? Lord, what are you even doing? Lord, when are you going to keep your word? And Lord, what's going on in my life? God is not afraid of your questions. God's not opposed to you asking them. All he is looking is for a person who will come before him. And even though we may wonder what God's doing, we still walk with him in faith. We still trust that he's doing what's best in our life. He's looking for that person who will simply take him at his word, believe him, regardless of how things look or regardless how we feel about the issue. Are you that person this morning? Do you wait on what God has for you? Or are you too busy trying to make it happen on your own? If so, are you moving towards maturity with God? It all begins with you taking that first step of faith so you can come before him and ask him to begin working in your life. So here's a simple question this morning. Will you trust God with everything today? Will you trust God to keep his word? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.